Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 9. We'll start there. God's been having us do some really wonderful things in Tulsa. I'm just so excited right now because I'm back into an environment that I haven't been in for about seven years, and that's a healing school environment again. And we've been, uh, we started in June every other week with a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday healing school from 11.30 to 1 o'clock. And we'll probably have to move it to every week because the demand is starting to grow. People are really being touched. But I'm thankful that it actually started slow. The first day, I think we had five workers and one person that needed healing, you know. So, uh, and that was okay. We ganged up on them, you know, and just made them be healed. So, but, uh, you know, you have to, have to take some time sometimes to get back into things. I know Brother Hagen used to make that comment all the time. Certain areas of ministry that maybe you've not been involved in for a while, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to turn the corner, to get back into a flow. Now, now God's ready, but, but it takes some time for us to be acclimated again to certain environments. And, and, um, and not until you get into some type of regular pattern do you then really begin to get some things. And now throughout the summer, the patterns that we've been involved with, I'm really excited because I'm starting to see some things and get back into certain flows and then go beyond where I've been. And, and um, it's just really, really fun to watch people getting healed, to start having that boldness again. We were in a service in, in um, Michigan, and this lady came up, and she could barely walk, you know, and she's got a cane, and she's barely making it. And, and once I prayed over her, and I knew the power went into her. Um, I just, I just knew that I knew. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't care, you know, if, if well, I, I won't even go there. I don't want to scare you how I think, but I mean, I just grabbed her and just took off running, and and just dragged her, you know, and dragged her three, four times across the front of the auditorium, just kept on dragging her. Had another lady on the other side, and I'm like, faster, 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 and we're just dragging her, you know, and just because I know God answered my prayer. I mean, I know it's there. There's a miracle in her body. So I took her cane and threw it and just hit the wall and put a nice big, <laughs> nice big, uh, you know, the, the rubber part. You know how it makes, it, it makes a skid mark, you know, put a skid mark in the wall. But anyhow, um, the pastor said it was all right. They cleaned it up. And, uh, <laughs> but just threw her cane and, and, and then walked her back to her seat. And the coolest thing was, after the service was over, she was so touched, her body kept getting so well, that she didn't even come up for a cane. She just took off, went home. Left it. It's great to be back into some of that, where you're just wild because you know God's doing something and touching people and healing. And so even this morning, I know the Spirit of God's moving in our midst, and our time is a little bit more, uh, you know, in a crunch this morning. So I'll just say a few things here and there. But wonderful things are happening. God's doing great things all over the world. Healings are taking place. Listen, cancer is no big deal. If you got cancer in this room, I want to just let you know it's no big deal. Please don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to die. Listen, if you stepped over into glory just like that, you'd be over in the presence, the full presence of God with absolute clarity. And you'd never think I want to go back to this dusty planet. You just wouldn't. I guarantee you right now. Don't be afraid to die. Because if you're afraid to die, then you will. If you're not afraid to die, we can get you healed. Where your fear lies of what you'll lose is where you'll compromise. And if you get involved with compromise, that's what nullifies the grace of God. Come on, if I stop right now and all we did is have a little question and answer period about the last two statements I made, it would be worth our session this morning. Amen. You can't be afraid to lose things. 
But I could lose my house. I could lose. Listen, there's new houses every day. They're on the market like crazy. Right now is a great time to buy. Well, I could lose my car. Have you ever been to a car lot recently? There's probably about 100 cars on the lot. They're not short of automobiles. But I could lose this and I could lose that. Do you know how petty all that stuff is? You can't take it with you when you go to heaven. Yeah, but it's no, that's the problem. It's a yeah, but, see. That's where your compromise is. In, in, in a form or fashion, you're allowing yourself to not have the fullness of God's grace in your life because you're afraid of something. You've got to get rid of that fear. There, God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Come on. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind means a spirit of mastery. There's something about us that's not afraid of losing a car because what's a car? They make them every day. I'll just get another one. I told my wife concerning our home. You know, we, God had us to step out really well beyond what we were able to do with our house. And we were led to do it. I emphasize we were led to do it. Wouldn't recommend it as far as just doing something like that. But we were led to do it. Well, you know, all hell broke loose. God, get, I, God gave me an audible voice telling me what to do. He said, well, I want an audible voice. Well, let me tell you right now. Don't seek an audible voice. <laughs> You say, well, why not? <clears throat> because Brother Hagen pulled me aside one time and he said, Jim, he said, if you ever get an audible voice from God, that usually means hell's coming. You need something to hold on to. And I can tell you right now, that's exactly what it means. If you need an audible voice from God, that usually means uh, you've got some rough water ahead and most likely if you didn't have that voice to hold on to and to root yourself down in God, you'd have given up a million times. I had to tell my wife this. I said, listen, honey, they make double wides really nice nowadays. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, listen, the only way we're going to have it, the only way we're going to succeed is if we're willing to lose it. Right. To step beyond what would be right in this earthly world and trust God, which seems wrong in this earthly world. Come on, God wants us to experience His grace. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Real quickly, I'll just share with you. We've got some product out there, but I want to also share. There's some real fun things that we're doing right now. And uh, on a new website, but you can find it on our website, which is jimhockaday.com. So as long as you have my name down, you can go ahead and find that. And on that, there's a page there that you can click to, and it'll bring you over to a new website called theabidingpresence.com. And this website is for our new internet radio show, that is live every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. You say, well, Central Time would mean 7 o'clock and we're in church. That's okay because 24-7 for seven days, it loops on the hour every hour for free. So you can pull it up and find it anytime you want to within a seven-day period of time, our last show. I've got a really cool co-host. I won't go into all the stories, but his name is B.J. Rickard. Some of you, if you've been in the horse business, you've heard that name before. Well, this man came, and he got born again in one of our meetings there in Tulsa, and the Lord's just been doing some pretty phenomenal things in his life. And uh, he used to have a horse's radio show that he had 4 million listeners in 97 countries in just eight months carried that radio show for 15 years, which is pretty amazing to have one for 15 years. And uh, he found out that there were people in China that would, that would walk for uh, over two days to get to a particular home that had Internet where they could actually get on and listen to the show. 120 people would show up in that room. 
That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, praise the Lord. He's bringing his expertise to help us. We've already tripled after one week. We've uh, touched over nine countries already. And uh, we've touched over 30 states here in the United States already just in one week. Amen. And uh, I believe before Christmas comes, we'll probably have probably half a million listeners. Very, very, very close. God's doing something with this show. It's really awesome. And if you, got, if you like what you're hearing this morning in the next uh, half an hour, then you're really going to have an itching ear to want to hear some more of it. And you can. So praise the Lord for that. All right, Jeremiah. Look at verse 23. I just want to start here. You know, I could almost open my Bible and just stick my finger somewhere and start and then come around to the things that we're talking about because when you begin to hear what I'm uh, saying this morning, you'll find it everywhere. It's really what the Bible's all about. When you come here to verse 23, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, saith the Lord. All right, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with being wise, being mighty, or being uh, uh, rich, having provision. But what's wrong is if we put all of those things before knowing and understanding that the Lord is good that his, loving, that his loving kindness is toward us, that his justice was already put upon Jesus, and because Jesus came out of the grave, now we who accept him as Lord and Savior become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. If anything stands in the way of our relationship at that moment, it actually can be, even though it might have been an okay thing, it can be turned into a wrong thing. What I'm sharing with you this morning, and I'm going to show you some things, is this world has been set up not by God. You understand, God made the earth. He did a really good job. He even, like a good Italian, in fact, in fact, Joe Morris and I are doing a meeting in Milan in October together. Amen. And that's kind of what they do, you know. It's just really good. So God, I'm sure, when he was done with creation, like it said in verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1, he said, and God looked over everything that he made and said, it is very good. In other words, God is into quality control. That's why he said it was very good. In other words, he didn't, he didn't say we're done with creation until he inspected it and he said it's exactly as I wanted it to be. Okay? So God made it just right. He didn't have any flaws in it. But because he put man in charge and man made a simple choice to disobey God and the rippling effect of collateral damage was to turn over the authority and the power that God gave man, made in his image and likeness, over to Satan and to absorb unto his nature death, which would thereby cause his heart, which was pure and right, to become sin. And that sinful spirit then, like a giant magnet, would just draw everything sinful to it. So this world that's like a web of interaction, do you get it? Interaction. One person's actions have something to do with someone else's actions. It's Newton's law. Every action has a reaction. And that's what's going on in this earth. And it's like a big web of deception. It's like the Matrix, for anybody who saw the Matrix. Come on, we're living in earth, we think this is the way life really was intended to be, and we very rarely question it because we allow other people that seem to be in positions of authority to tell us it's okay to live like this. Amen. 
But who's to say this is really it? Who's to say this is the way that God wanted it? Who's to say even that your relationship with God is, is peaked out? Oh, brother, I hear from the Lord. Okay, well, you hear from the Lord. But who's to say that you couldn't have even greater experiences in the Spirit? See, in the human heart, there should be something, a meter inside of you that goes off, and mine's pegged. I don't know about yours, but mine is, it's pegged. And that meter is not satisfied. I know there's more. It's pegged. There's a dissatisfaction meter in me that we're not where we ought to be and we need to get there and we can. And inside of me is a desire that says it's more simple than we think. It's more before our eyes than we know. It's more touchable. It's more seeable than we've been taught. Trust I'm starting to create a little bit of hunger. Because if you get hungry enough for this, they that do hunger and thirst after my righteousness shall be what? Empty, sad, mad. They'll be filled. Come on, somebody. It's the hunger of your soul that allows your spirit to start living in your life. To express God everywhere you go. Come back to Genesis and chapter 3. You all listen so well, because you've been taught well, that you can just sense how easy it would be to go for a real long time. (laughs) But our first really wonderful experience of God today will be that the preacher is going to be able to finish by 20 minutes after. Amen. All right, this is really awesome when you look at this. And and we could say a lot, but I'll try to cut everything short. Just look at verse 7. And this is where Adam and Eve had now sinned. And look at what took place. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, well, what does that mean? They were walking around blind? God created Adam and Eve, and they were bumping into tree after tree, you know, because... (laughs) Because, you know, they, they just hadn't opened their eyes yet. They were like little kittens, you know what I mean? It takes a little while to open the eyes. No. There were eyes to their soul that was opened to see things it wasn't supposed to see because of sin. And it goes on to say there, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Without having to get into it, I'll just mention this. Why did they want coverings? Because they had coverings. If you lost your clothes, you'd be wanting to find some to replace what you lost. It's a very interesting concept when you look in the world. The devil's always trying to take everybody's clothes off. God's always trying to put them back on. (laughs) Isn't that one of the main problems we got out there right now? Huh? Think about it. The madman of Gadara, what was he? Fully clothed? He's naked. What happened when Jesus cast the devil out of him? He came into his right mind. What's the first thing that he did? Whoa, have I been like this for long? Somebody better give me my clothes back. He put clothes on. Why? Man was made with coverings. What kind of covering was man made with? The glory. That's why the Lord of glory 
died, came out of the grave as the champion of the glory so that he could lead many sons into the glory, that we would experience the great mystery of the church, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, we were made for the glory. We were glorified even from Adam and Eve. They had glory on them. That's the reason why the devil wanted them. That's the reason why the devil wanted to get rid of the glory, because it's the glory that he can't stand. Can you say amen? Amen. And, well, you know, too bad, so sad, you're mad, Mr. Devil, because we're filled with the glory. Amen. 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 All right, come down here to verse 8. They're sinners now, remember. And it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees. Do you see anything strange about that verse? Has anybody ever read that verse of Scripture before? Okay, good, good, that's good. Do you see anything strange about that Scripture? Excuse me? They were hiding. Okay, they were hiding from what? Let's, let's embellish this. They're hiding this from the presence of the Lord. So now, let's ask this question. So if you're hiding from the presence of the Lord, that means you know where it is. Right? Because you're going to try to get what? Get a, away from it. Do you find anything strange in that? What? What do you find strange in that? Well, first of all, where would they hide? I mean, they're hiding behind a tree God just got through making, like he doesn't know it's there. <laughs> when God said, where are you, Adam? It's not because God's like, hey, they're gone. Where did they go? <laughs> no, it's because God is saying, Adam, why are you over there when you're always usually over here? It was a question that exposed Adam's heart. Okay, that's not what I'm looking for, though. What seems to be odd about this? Since the preacher has to get done by 20 minutes after 10, I'm going to jump right in, okay? What seems to be odd about this is these are sinners. These are sinners that are recognizing where God is. Now, in the church world today, people that are wanting more, many people don't want more. They just want to do their duty and feel like they've done something that would appease God and then go back to life as they know it, which they don't realize has been set up by an enemy to put them in a web where action, reaction is going on negative around them all the time. And every bit of negative reaction and action, reaction that's going on around them, every bit of it is keeping them, making them take one step away from, if that's God, one step away and another step away from a relationship with God where they could actually have conversation with Him as though He were there and they were, He was just as real as anybody here in the flesh. And they don't know what they're missing. But for those that want more, isn't it interesting that the very two things that these two sinners had in the garden right here are the very two things everybody wants today? What what are those? Everybody wants to hear God's voice, number one, and everybody that wants more wants His presence.
See, we got songs. Lord, I want to know you. In my heart there is a fire. Well, yeah, there is. But isn't it interesting we're singing about, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord. Oh, God, just to hear your voice. See anything wrong with that for those that want more? Well, you're born again. You're only sitting a seat away from the Father. Raised up in heavenly places like you need Him to shout. Like, like you can't hear Him breathe. And you don't recognize His presence. Oh God, we just want Your presence. Well, what do you have? Chopped liver? I mean, what'd you get? Huh? The oddity is that we, born again, filled with His Spirit, God, then giving us the most amazing advantage in life that He actually perfected our spirit with a divine nature where He could actually come and step inside of us and live in our body. And we're going, oh God, I just want to hear your voice. Which is doing what? It's acknowledging negative influence and energy that makes you think you don't hear it. Every time you acknowledge negative energy, you give it tangibility. Every time you acknowledge God, you give Him tangibility. Oh God, we just want Your presence. We just need more of Your presence. And what you're doing when you're saying that is, we don't have enough. And you've just acknowledged that you do not believe God has given you a sufficiency. That there is a lack from Him and He's holding out on you. Oh, well, no, I'm not. I just want more. No, that's exactly what you've done. Don't skirt the issue. It is what you've done. It is what we've done. You have to understand something. The realm of the Spirit is absolutely exactly as it is. There is no gray area. God has no intentions. None. He doesn't dwell like that. That's not His existence. I'm intending to. It either is or it's not. Well, sometimes it's not. But He is always here. You're right. And what he said, it's exactly as he said it. And he's exactly done everything he said he would do. And if you pray a prayer, it's done. Exactly as you prayed that prayer, according to the truth. It's absolute. No wavering. None. So this is really interesting when I look at this because Adam and Eve, this is pretty stellar right here. They're like hearing God speak, recognizing His presence and saying, I think this would be a good place to kind of get away from that. And the church is going, hey God, hey God, please come down here. Please let us hear your voice. Huh? What if you really do hear His voice. What if the truth is, 
He's really here. And as we begin to acknowledge Him as He is, remember, you can't acknowledge God in a gray area and think He's going to show up. It, it's, it's, that, that prayer's not heard. That, that, uh, that declaration, it's, it's on deaf ears. He can only be who He is and He can't change for you because you don't see Him right. Well, God, God will grade on a curve though. He doesn't grade on a curve. You ought to have found that out through the Old Covenant. You missed it in one point, but I got nine right. Sorry, it's not a 90. It's an F. It's a big fat zero because you didn't get them all right. Well, that's unjust. No, that just shows you who you're dealing with. You're dealing with someone who it's impossible to miss it even in the little smallest dot the I, cross the T, the jot, the tittle. That's why it says that, just to help you to get an idea. You're dealing with somebody that is absolute in every area. Why does God have to be? It is who He is. And whether you know it or not, it's how He made you. We've been watered down We've bit off on the existence that we see in the earth where everything about the web of negativity is to destroy the resolve in your conscience to say, if it's God, then it's God. But we learn all the time. People fail you. People miss it. You need to be skeptical. You need to not trust anyone. And what does the world do? Get back into the world's way of things, into the carnal way of living, and it'll train you to not really believe God will do what He said until I see it. So how far in the last 2,000 years have we progressed beyond Thomas? Thomas, you, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are they that have not seen yet believe. Blessed are they that have not seen that are willing to step right out into the midst of nothing and put their trust in God. God. Come on, in our Sunday school classes, I learned Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, which tells you if I'm going to trust God, this up here, my understanding is going to go, uh, wrong decision, uh, wrong decision, uh. But isn't that interesting what we've done? We've turned this thing around in trust the Lord with all your understanding and lean not to your heart. That's really what we've done because we want to understand it. I'll, I'll do it if I understand it. Well, why don't you trust Him? Well, that's asking a little bit too much because remember, I'm still desiring to have His presence and I still want to hear His voice. And what have you just done? You've just acknowledged Negative energy. Call that the devil. You've just acknowledged the devil and given that tangibility in your life. And you've just, if the devil has one job that you want to give him, the title over a job, it would be called he's a mason. He builds walls super fast. You acknowledge something and all of a sudden there's a wall there. And the strangest thing is, between Neil and I, there's this amazing path through the grace of Jesus Christ and the redemption of our Lord that allows you to go right into the throne of grace without missing a beat, sit down and have fellowship with God. He sup with you, you sup with Him. That just means you're sharing thoughts and ideas as though Neil and I were just this close. It's just as real, God and you. Amen. The strangest thing is, listening to negative energy, it's like... 
And then you end up going this way to try to... And you end up going this way. And finally you find yourself up on... And, and you find yourself up here. And all of a sudden your path is no longer a straight path. You've got a maze. And most people give up and settle. Because settling is a distraction that's in the earth right now. Fine, go over to Timothy and read what it says in the last days. Men are going to lose sight of what's right and what's wrong. They're going to call right, wrong, and wrong, right. Have we reached those days? Hello? People have lost an understanding of what is and what isn't. It's as though everybody's got a fog on them. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's interesting how well you listen. It's like I can hear your thoughts. All right, notice down here where it says, Then God called to them and said, Where are you? Okay, fine, that's what's so big about that. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I, I was naked. I hid myself. And then God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Stop right there and just hear this thought. Isn't it interesting that as sinners they were hearing God in complete sentences? It wasn't like a, uh, a grunt. Is that you, Lord? <laughs> it wasn't, I prayed in other tongues for three hours and I, I'm so excited. Really? Did you get something from God? I really believe I did. What did you get? He said, go. Well, good. What else did he say? Well, nothing. You mean you don't know where to go? No, but I know I'm supposed to go. Okay, so let me ask you, if you now see how God talks, even to sinners, do you really think that all he said was go? Is it possible he said go and he actually told you where to take your first step and how to take it and what to do and gave you some information about what you were going to see when you took that first step so that you'd be fortified and ready to handle negative influence and energy that would try, instead of being able to go right to the mark, would try to distract you and keep you from being able to see. Because if somebody starts to find out what it really means to be not only human but a son of God, it's literally going to turn the tide because manifested in the earth will be such demonstrations of how God really meant it to be that the devil's influence will immediately, just like a fog where the wind comes in or the sun comes up and dries it, it's gone. And that's the sum total of everything he worked on for years. In a second, your acknowledgement of God can destroy it. Bam, it's gone. Interesting, isn't it? Because our minds would seem to build walls along with the devil. And we'd think, my, this is just too insurmountable. There's too many things going on in my life that are negative, that are wrong. I just can't make it. I don't know how. It just seems impossible. And just your acknowledgement of God, all of it's gone. That's grace. That's grace. That's how powerful grace is. Come on, if you're going to learn how to do some archery, and you know you're kind of shaking as you do it, and your first arrow that you release, it's going like five feet from the target. I'm not talking about the bullseye. I mean, you're not even hitting the target. But you call on God's grace. Guess what happens? Before the arrow gets there, God goes, 
move the target, bullseye. Wow. That's pretty good. That was just my first shot. Pull out another arrow, release it, and it's going, you know, about 100 degrees over there. And God, shoom, grace goes over so fast, and bullseye. Wow. Two in a row. Bullseye. Bullseye. It's just the grace of God, folks. That's how God is. He loves that. He loves taking what you can't do and magnifying what He can through your life. So what's the possibility that this is how God actually wanted it to be? Turn over to Luke in chapter 9. <coughs> wow, this is a really condensed version here, but that's okay. When Joe comes, you can ask him about it. He may say something, but he's the one that always told me. He said, he said I've come up with a, the way to get ass back. He said, as long as you're short and funny and have miracles, he said, you get ass back. <laughs> Amen. You'll probably hear him say that. So we're working on that this morning. Verse 28 it says, now it came to pass about eight days after these things, or after these sayings, that he took Peter, James, and John and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease. Uh, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and, and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered into the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. All right? This is very interesting, isn't it? Interesting because we finally have an account of Jesus' prayer time. Now, time won't allow us, but if you did a little study in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would find that Jesus really prayed a lot. Now, the one part of it always gets me a little bit and I've always struggled with it was when Jesus it says he got up long before anyone else was up and went out to a solitary place to pray that's the part that always gets me <laughs> the traveling guy don't like to get up real 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 early you know he stays up late I don't fit into that mold because being home with the kids you got to get up early that's fine but all those prayers, you look at the times Jesus went away. Notice what it says. He'd pray all night long by himself. He'd get up early to go to a solitary place to pray where he wasn't what? Distracted. He didn't take his cell phone with him. Come on. Think about this. Think about how life has increased. Come on. Daniel said in the last days, knowledge shall increase and run to and fro. We always thought that meant God's going to just really, well... Who's to say it was God that made knowledge increase and caused things to be to and fro? Oh, wait a minute, brother. All this technology is grand. Well, in some sense it is, but in many sense maybe it's not. What's the possibility that technology has brought all kinds of distractions that we never would have had before? 
I mean, think of the things that kids are exposed to through television that we never even knew existed, and we were almost adults, come on, years ago. And now kids are exposed to it at young ages as though it's a part of life. So how well then did that then help? Come on. I mean, this is very interesting. You start getting into people's lives where it really is because, man, I was really wanting that new bass boat. There's nothing wrong with a bass boat. But is it possible with the bass boat you'll be tempted then to not come to church on Sunday? So then what is that bass boat? It's sin. You've turned it into sin. And when you bought that bass boat, did it put a heavy burden upon your family and now your wife's struggling? And she's on edge and collateral damage is while she's on edge, she didn't treat the kids well that day because she's still too ticked off about the bass boat. And now maybe with a little resentment, she goes out and she gets some new furniture for the house. She says, you can have your bass boat, I'm going to have my furniture. And now there's a rift between you and look at the collateral damage. And now your parents want to come over, but they can feel there's tension there, and they wonder what's going on with them, and that it affects them, and it affects your job. What's wrong? You just don't seem to be yourself. Well, I'm just struggling because now it affected people on the job. And this is the web that we're living in. And all of it are roadblocks for your spirit to find this type of relationship with God where it was meant to be like Adam and Eve all along. And Jesus in the mountain praying, this is what fellowship is supposed to be like. Oh, Brother Jim, come on. Look at what it says in here. I mean, his face was altered. His clothes became glistening and whitening. The glory of God shone up. A couple of Old Testament prophets showed up and began to speak to him and prophesying to him about his decease, which was about to take place, and the things that would happen upon the cross. Oh, come on. This isn't, this isn't real. Oh, yes, it is. But it's the only passage where we find Jesus talking about these things. Yeah, because it's the only passage where Jesus took someone else with him to write it down. What's the possibility that Adam and Eve as sinners hearing the full voice of God and Jesus showing us what his prayer time was like, that this is what it was meant to be fellowshipping with God like he was just as real as me seeing Neil right here. And I'm talking with him and he's talking back to me. And I find myself so literally taken over by the experience that everything else loses its appeal. I don't know how many of you have remember some of the old songs, but remember that old song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It starts out the verse, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free.
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. See, until your soul, your soul, didn't you mean spirit? No. Your spirit's perfect with God in every way. But until your soul is open to see beyond what you have accepted to be real, your spirit is locked in a cell with your conception of reality. And the moment, even in a service like this, that your eyes would be open to think that life could be different, that you could hear His voice, that you do recognize His presence, at that moment that you acknowledge it as it really is, you give tangibility to God. Folks, what's the difference between us having every advantage and seeming to be so clueless and Adam and Eve having no advantage and hearing God's voice? It's because their soul never learned how to doubt God. God didn't create them with doubt in their soul. You couldn't have asked Adam, Adam, are you ever going to be fearful? He would say, what is fear? I don't understand that word because it was never created out of God. So see, Adam and Eve are having to learn the experience of negative influence, of their soul being in charge because their spirit is now sinful and the connection is gone. They're having to learn. But isn't it interesting, while they're learning the process of developing a soul that's completely sinful, just like their heart, where man became so sinful in the day of Noah that God brought a flood... And he said, in the last day, man will return to the state of being like Noah before the Lord comes, and we've come back to that place. But because Adam and Eve were not yet so consciously sinful, even though their heart was now sinful, isn't it interesting that they were able to fine-tune their radio and still hear God's voice, recognize His presence, because that's all they had known. Flip the whole thing over as we're concluding. Here we are born again. We're filled with God. Now do you understand why it's so important to renew your soul, to renew the mind? Because with every advantage God's given us, if all you can think of is your ways of thinking before and you've not accepted through the scriptures, which is your pathway, your treasure map to find God, then you'll still consider life to be what it was. you just got a tag on your back that says Christian and you've got a, a pass to get you into heaven when the roll is called up yonder. And all along, you are with God, hearing His voice, recognizing His presence as much as you sitting next to this lady here, as much as you sitting next to your sons. That's how real He is to your spirit right now. Hearing my voice, there's no difference in your spirit hearing God. How come I'm not? You must acknowledge that you do.
And every acknowledgement, like we shared last night, the old English fights, gunfights, back to back I stand. We're going to pace it off. Every step I take and simple decision to acknowledge God, interestingly enough, the distance between is multiplied because that means I'm taking a step away from what is negative. I could have acknowledged negative energy and said, I just don't hear God. This whole thing's just whatever it is. I'm just going to try to get along. It's just good that I went to church. That's good enough. And here you are building walls, 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 walls that do what? That hinder your ability to have spirit-to-spirit relationship with God. Most Christians don't even know that they are a spirit. They're content to be just a physical body that gets stimulus from the world and their five senses pick up and give information to your soul, will, emotions, and intellect and live life just like everybody else does when we are a spiritual being that is in connection with the God of all spirits but like an English fight the moment you take simple choice after simple choice to acknowledge his presence to acknowledge his voice the distance between you and the devil and what you thought about life grows exponentially and you begin to create your own rippling effect although it's not collateral damage it becomes glory And just like that within a week's time, where you were and where you are by this time next week, you're hearing his voice, you're recognizing his presence, it's turned your life around, you've been in with the Lord fellowshipping, so it's not just reading about him, you're actually spending time with him, and you look back to the things that you used to do, the way you used to do them, the way you used to think about them, and everything is changed. It's so easy to blame God, everybody. It's so easy to be lazy and just go about life the way we are and say, if God would just send us a wave of his spirit, then we'll have all the miracles we've so desired. In other words, let's just stay the way we are, not really recognizing anything, and let's just wait till God does it. But he did it. He can't do it any better. He actually thought when he raised Jesus, and he's never returned this thought, that when he raised Jesus out of the grave, it was actually perfect. He couldn't do a better job. That's why he never sent him back to do it all over again, because he did it right the first time. And the glory that he sent with the Holy Ghost wasn't a portion of the Holy Ghost. It actually was the Holy Spirit, the whole guy. Not like a leg and we're all just waiting for the rest of the body in this last day because if we had it, we could really do what we're supposed to do. We actually got the whole person. God, the Holy Ghost, is living inside your heart. He's here in this room. And every sickness and every disease that could be or should be in your body has been melting away while you've been focused on our message right here this morning. Put your hand wherever you're needing a prayer to be answered as I pray a mass prayer for everybody right now. Father, in your precious and wonderful name, you see these people where they're at, where they're hurting, where their mind needs to be quickened, where their family needs a change, where their marriage needs the love of God restored, where their body needs health to come and drive out the darkness and sickness. Now, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, We have every right to stand on solid ground with absolute authority and say, be gone, every one of these hindrances. Every influence of negativity I command to leave the bodies, the minds, the lives, the families, the homes, the marriages, and the jobs of these people. And may, Father, your increase now be insurmountably great and awesome upon these people. Change everything about what they desire, what they need, in Jesus' precious name.